this week, um, by popular demand, if you remember last week I mentioned we um, are doing a fast with a global network of churches called Genesis Collective. Um, one of my mentors and close friends, uh, Chris Vinand in um, uh, Genesis in Costa Mesa, uh, is calling the Genesis Collective uh, uh, churches to essentially go on a fast for three days. And that fast is from February 3rd, so Friday to February 5th, that Sunday, so next week. And as I kind of mentioned it to you guys, you were like, um, maybe give us a little bit of like practical helps and everything. And so by popular demand, we're talking about fasting this morning. I pulled the audience, you guys, there were some were like, ah, I think I'll be okay. But I think a lot of you were like, yes, give us some advice and what fasting is. So we're talking about fasting this morning. Cool? Great. Um, let's start with the definition of fasting. We're just going to dive straight, straight in. Is that okay? Cool. Um, definition. Even though there isn't really an explicit definition of fasting that you can find in the scriptures, when you pull all of the different moments that fasting is present within the Bible, you can kind of see a definition begin to surface. So simply put, fasting is abstaining from food for the purpose of seeking God. Okay, so fasting is abstaining. We're not eating food for a specific purpose spiritual purpose, mainly seeking the face of God. It's to, to seek his heart, not just his hands, right? Uh, and that we, need to, we need to remember that. We need to get that straight. Now, uh, there's a lot of talk around fasting from social media and other things, etc. But if we look at the context of scripture, we see fasting as a practice specifically for food, now, that isn't to say that we can't abstain from other things. We see in scriptures in context, like people are abstaining from certain clothing, like the Nazarites would, wouldn't cut their hair. They'd abstain from cutting their hair. They'd wear, they wouldn't wear certain clothing. They would abstain from touching dead things, which we're all fasting from, obviously, because we live in the 21st century. Um, but when we read the Bible, um, that when someone is fasting, it's specifically from food, not their Netflix subscription. Does that make sense? Okay, so we do see people devoting themselves to other things. So I think it's important to recognize that before we move forward, the inner society today, we lump all of those things kind of in the fasting topic. And depending on um, how you spin it, like some people like to go say, hey, no, it's just fasting. All of that other stuff isn't. You're not fasting. And then other people are like, no, no, it's okay. And I, I kind of like to hold those to intention. I, I, it's just a lot of work to try to re-theologize someone's whole framework on that whole concept and just say like, no, you're not fasting because what good does that actually do anybody? Uh, but we need to recognize the emphasis and the importance on fasting from food. God's heart, in a way, is moved by when we fast from food. And, and it does it in a way that n nothing else can. But if you want to fast from other things, that's completely fine. Besides, the reality is, is that food is not the only thing that we consume in our culture, right? We consume a lot of different kinds of things. But, okay, so for clarity's sake, when you read about fasting in the Bible, it's specifically about food. Make sense? Cool. Okay, so now that we've got that cleared up, um, I just want to talk about the elephant in the room. For most of us, when we think about fasting, we perceive it as a burden and, and not a blessing. Would you agree? 
Like, we, we, we don't, like, get excited about fasting. Like, I like food. And, okay, so I remember in our church when, not this specific church, but when I was in college, our church was doing a, like, five-day fast together. And Meredith and I were dating at the time, and I remember I was picking her up from work at the, on the first day of the fast, and um, I asked her how it was going, and she was like, you know, it's good, but she's hungry. And um, I had an, a, an ulterior agenda in the midst of that conversation. See, thing it was is that I had already messed up on the fast, had lunch, and was trying to convince her to eat dinner with me that night. <laughs> um, and my plan worked. <laughs> Uh, we ended up, but I mean, see, we, we, the reality is we perceive fasting in a specific way as a burden. And we, we don't necessarily look at the blessing of fasting. The undercurrent to that whole moment that was that fasting was a burden to us and not a blessing. And I had fasted before. Like, I had, I had experienced some profound moments with Jesus and intimacy with him in fasting before that moment, but I still had a specific perspective on fasting. Now, isn't this true of all of religion? How you can be doing all the right things, be in all the right places, but still completely miss the point. And this is, invi- this is vitally important to the life of a Christian. Effort is not wrong. See, Dallas Willard says that grace is not opposed to effort, but to earning. So, like, in fasting, specifically, we're not trying to earn God's approval. But there is still, like, an effort to it. And we all realize that, which is why it seems like a burden to us. So, so how do we shift our perspectives? In order to get there, I think it's important for us to look at the context of fasting within the Bible. Uh, where do we see it, and how does it actually work out? Throughout the scriptures, we see people submitting themselves to God through fasting. So in the Old Testament, we see that Moses fasted for 40 days before he received God's commandments. We see David fasting for six days as he prayed for, the sick, for specifically his son to become healed. Ezra fasted as he mourned the failures of his community and repented on behalf of his community. Esther fasted for the safety of her people. Daniel fasted to find clarity on a vision that he had received from the Lord. And it's not just the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament too. Paul fasted after his radical encounter with Jesus. We see the church in Antioch fasting before they sent out church planters and missionaries into the field. And the churches in Galatia, as they would fast as they prepared to appoint new elders. So, I mean, we see this in the life of, of followers of Jesus, of the people of God throughout the scriptures. But even after all of that, it can still be easy for us to perceive that fasting is this thing that's reserved for spiritual people. That it's only for the super Christians or the really devoted ones, the heroes of the faith. So, so why do we fast? It's important for us to root our perspective in Jesus. You know, when we think about this concept of fasting, I don't know if you've ever asked this, but we need to ask ourselves, what did Jesus think about fasting? Have you ever thought about that question? Have you ever asked that? So there's this moment in Matthew 6 where Jesus is preaching his most famous sermon that we have recorded in the scriptures, the Sermon on the Mount, and he devotes a few sentences within that sermon to the particular topic of fasting. So look what he says in Matthew 6, starting in verse 16. Matthew 6, 16. When you fast, 
pause. Jesus says when. Not if. He's communicating to his disciples, his manifesto for what it means to follow him. He's saying, this is how you live your life with me. This is his set of values towards what it means to chase after him, to model your life like he did his. And he says, when you fast. That means that Jesus just assumes that we're going to fast as followers of Jesus. That it's just going to be part of our life, not if, but when. According to Jesus, fasting is normal. Now, in light of that, I can't help but ask myself, if the people of God and the Son of God saw fasting as so important, so normal, then then why don't we see it as important? important ourselves. If we keep reading in Jesus's words, I think we'll actually find the reason behind that. So picking up again, verse 16, it says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face or pomade. Um, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So in other words, if you're looking for the earthly reward of other people thinking that you're really spiritual, then go ahead and let people know that you're fasting in a grandiose manner. You know, look exhausted, share it every time you have the possibility to. Now, obviously, in our world, you can't just not tell people that you're fasting because people will think you're, like, rude. It's like, ah, I'm not going to dinner tonight. But, like, the point is, is that we're not supposed to make a big deal of it. And what he's saying is, if you want the earthly reward of people thinking you're spiritual, then let people know you're fasting. Because everyone always thinks that you're really spiritual if you're fasting. But, if, We want the reward that comes from heaven. Then submit your heart to Jesus in secret. And you will receive that reward. Something I've had to wrestle with throughout my own life was if I was going to obey Jesus' expectation here about fasting, then I had to come to terms with whether or not I viewed fasting as a fulfillment of some certain kind of requirement or whether or not it was a reward in my life. Now, don't get me wrong here. Requirements are important in the life of a follower of Jesus. Jesus says a lot about, I mean, he continually teaches over and over about commands that we're supposed to obey. But for this subject in particular, Jesus seems to teach that the emphasis is on the reward. And that's important. Just before this passage, Jesus is talking about prayer. And so in in verse 6, he says this, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. 
then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So if prayer is talking to God, talking with God, being with Jesus, being in communion with him, then fasting is praying with your gut. It's, it's getting our spirituality from our minds down into our bodies. See, I think Jesus wanted us to realize that fasting is not about getting God's attention, but about God getting all of our attention. And it is there when our attention is on God in the secret place of our lives. It's there where the reward of fasting begins to flourish. Now, I don't want you to just hear this from me. So I've actually asked Devin to come up and share for a second um, on his experiencing of, uh, experience of fasting. So Dev, would you come up? Everybody give him a round. Hey, guys. Oh, geez. Sorry, hold it down here. Um, so yeah, I've had a very, uh, just in times when I've fasted, it's been like for like a week, at, I mean, being challenged from other churches before we were coming here and we were back in Tennessee. Um, then being like, go on this fast for a week straight and just push into the presence of God. And there is something I would like, I'm really glad you mentioned food and that's strictly based on food because I think I really do think that everyone is so dependent on that. And I'm a foodie, and I freaking love food, guys. So, like, that is the one thing. You take that away from me, and I am just crippled. And um, there's something really, really, really sweet about, um, I don't know if you guys remember when, like, we're younger, and our teachers were like, hey, if there's something you need to remember throughout the day, tie a string to your wrist. And when you see that string, or that's that one thing on your schedule or your checklist that you need to get done, untie the string, and you've come accomplish that thing. They never, said that. they never did. Okay, cool. So I don't know if you guys have ever heard that. Just raise it. Who actually heard that and who? Okay, thank you. Got like three people. Um, so that was a thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It was, it was awesome. But anyway, that's, that's kind of how like, thanks. Appreciate it. That like hunger that you feel throughout the day would always remind me to push into Christ more. And like Jesus literally says, you don't live on bread alone, right? So um pushing into time, finding strength through him and through what scripture says or what prayer can do. It just like, it's that in intentionality that comes with it. And that's what he's trying to get us to really dive into. It's not like, like you doing this amazing feat of not eating for like six to eight hours throughout the day. It's like you literally living with intention to push into him more. And that's what he's trying to get you to do. Um, so I encourage you all to do it. It's really fun. It's, uh, you know, <laughs> um, and it's, and it's, and it's really cool doing it with the community because you can encourage each other on that. And that's the, one of the biggest points. If like you're doing it by yourself and some people are called to that. I know G's probably done that before and that's super sweet. But when you get to push into it with a group of people and a community, kind of have that camaraderie where you're like, oh, but I know this other person's a foodie and they're struggling just as much as I am. And then you can check, text, encourage, call, whatever, pray for one another. I don't know, it's just a really beautiful moment to get people together. So, um, and equally striving to just see God a little more clearly within their day. So that's, great. that's my encouragement to you guys. So.
and at the end of your fasting, go freaking nuts. <laughs> go crazy. Oh, that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and go... Like, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Break the fast. Go to Korean barbecue or all-you-can-eat sushi. I don't know. But, I mean, like, hopefully from, like, point A to point Z, you will have, like, just a testament of, like, wow, I really saw the Lord move in these specific ways. Ask him questions during that time. Like, seek him in, like, his absolute fullness and really push into him so that, you know, you go into another season of fasting or you're encouraging other people to go into fasting and you can be like, it's tough, but, yo, this is, like, the benefit of it, guys. This is, like, you've, I have this idea that if you live through something, you have, like, a lot of power over that thing, and you can really speak that into people's lives, so, and truly encourage them. So, yeah, it's awesome, but then also go ham and eat whatever you want afterwards, so. Thanks, Dev. That was great. I hope you're all encouraged. Okay, we can go home. Um, but notice, so he, he kind of, he touched on both barriers and breakthroughs that can occur within fasting. You know, like the natural barrier of like, we like food and we want to eat. God gave us, I've said this before, God gave us taste buds. Like if he wanted us to just eat to survive, he wouldn't have been able, he wouldn't have given us the palate to be able to experience the beauty and the joy and the nuance and the intricacies of flavor. So like, fa- or like fasting, helps us resist that for a bigger purpose, right? But there's barriers. And so I've listed a few different barriers that I think might come up from time to time in our life against fasting. First one, we've talked about this self-sufficiency, independence, control. Um, so we, we herald independence and self-sufficiency in our culture. We're actually raised from, young, from a young age to be more self-sufficient right? Like we're told to get a job, to um, be independent from our families, and to make a contribution to the world. And that's not a bad thing, obviously. The Bible teaches us that responsibility is good, but fasting rubs up against our desires to be self-sufficient. At its core, it reveals to us that the individual autonomous self is a myth, that you being a independent and completely able to make your own path, you being able to rely on nothing but yourself is actually a lie. It reveals to us that we desperately need Jesus. Man does not, I mean, Devin just quoted this, man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Fasting puts us in touch with the reality that we actually need God. Second, hunger for what the world can give. Most likely, all of us, and not just around the idea of food, but we have created taste buds for what the world has to offer. And that, that desire to have that hunger for what the world can provide for us will actually keep us from ever leaning into fasting because we want to have what we want, right? So a hunger from, for the world Three, self-gratification. We live in a culture that bombards us with this idea that we can have what we want, when we want, and how we want it. It's the Amazon Prime culture. But fasting moves in the opposite direction of that. It's the literal practice of training ourselves to say no to what we want. Right? Like that's, It's as simple as that. 
We want food. But in order to have and feed our deeper spiritual desires, we keep ourselves from feasting on worldly desires. So we fast from food or other things in order to feast on Christ. Four is lack of discipline. I found that sometimes we don't fast simply because we don't have a lot of discipline in our lives in the first place. Like discipline breeds discipline, right? So oftentimes we think to ourselves that like fasting, I mean, it is. There's this spiritual warfare going on. We're going to battle against the forces of darkness in this world when we fast. There is a very spiritual, real battle going on, but we forget that we're also in fasting battling against things like commitment and follow through. Sometimes we just aren't disciplined in our lives and we need to learn how to commit to something and move forward. Last but not least, and there's tons of different barriers that we might face. These are all big picture, uh, but is vision. The Bible tells us that where there is no vision, people perish. Meaning when we lose sight of a compelling vision, discipline leads to drudgery and not delight. In terms of fasting, this happens when our sights are set on the barriers in front of us instead of on the compelling vision of breakthrough that could happen on the other side. When our sights are set on the resistance or the things that we don't get to have or whatever it might be for you, then all of a sudden we don't see Christ. We don't see relationship and intimacy with him. Now, I'm not much of a runner, but I envy people who are. And I was actually having a conversation with, where is he? Hector. Where are you? Oh, what? Oh, there you are. I thought you were in a brown shirt for some reason, and so I was looking for brown. But um, So I was having a conversation with you at House Church this past week, and he was talking about running, and you should have just heard what he said. I don't know if you remember the way you started it, but he was like, oh, man, I love it. I just go out there and I run. I wish it was that easy for me, Right? Like, you got to have the right shoes, the right fit. It's got to be the right weather outside because nobody likes running in 90-degree weather. And um, then you have to make for sure you're hydrated. And then there's the stretching. And then, I mean, the running part, which sucks. And then you have to get back home and you have to shower because all of a sudden, like, you're sweaty and you need to get ready for the day again. And there's all of these different barriers to me. See, the difference between what Hector was saying and what I was saying is that he just said, you just go out there and run. Right? Like, the difference is, is that my sight was set on the barriers. And don't even, like, talk to me about, like, the runner's high. You guys are lying. That's placebo, I swear. You all need to repent. But, I mean, you see what I mean? Like, my eyes were, I mean, it's hard for me. I don't like running because of all of these barriers. As opposed to looking at the reward on the other end. When we can lift our eyes beyond the barriers and catch a glimpse of the vision God has for our lives, we are one step closer to receiving the reward of fasting. So we looked at some barriers. Now here's just a few of the breakthroughs. So first, intimacy with God. That's, that's like the most important one that's central. Now, there are other things that we can receive through fasting that God can do in our lives, but we are fasting to seek the face of God. We're not just fasting for health. You know, we're not just fasting to lose a little bit of weight. 
I mean, there are benefits to fasting that um, are very physical, but that's not the purpose of fasting in the way of Jesus. It's to seek his face, to become closer to him. So intimacy with God. Two, a renewed hunger for God and the things of God. When we begin to abstain from food or other things, then all of a sudden we begin to realize the deep hunger that is in our souls that longs for more of heaven, for more of the kingdom of God. We begin to tap into those hungers and it stirs our hunger for those things. Three is self-control. We're creating a pattern in our lives to be able to resist the things in this world and give ourselves over to more of Jesus. It's, it's building a muscle. You know, by actually, it's like what Devin was saying. Like, I mean, once we've done something, we have power over it and have experience to speak over that thing. So, like, in the same way, when we fast, we're actually, like, training our bodies to be able to have self-control in other ways in our lives. So if you're struggling with sin, if you're struggling with, like, laziness or whatever it might be, fasting actually helps you train your body to chase after Jesus more. Verse, or not verse, uh, number four, uh, clarity in prayer. Now, this is a physical thing, but also a spiritual. I, I think that like we can find, I mean, Daniel fasts to find clarity on a vision that he had received from the Lord. There's something about abstaining from food uh, in the physical world. After about three days of fasting, uh, chemically something unlocks in your brain. And I think God designed us this way where there's this almost euphoric experience of clarity that starts to happen and you, you see things differently, you think more clearly, you have more agility in your life, you think that you'd be more weak, but all of a sudden it switches. And God designed your bodies that way so that you can then begin to understand him better and hear how he is speaking to you. Like, so it's, it's beautiful. And we need to remember this. In our culture, we like to separate the sacred and the secular, right? The, the spiritual and the physical. But you are an integrated being. Like, those two things are not separated. According to the scriptures, like, we, we are full humans. We are full body, spirit, mind. You do not have a soul. You are a soul. And so, like, fasting will actually impact the things in, in your life. It will, it, it will actually help you find clarity in your mind. F five, hearts ready for revival. So that passage in Second Chronicles, if my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and then he continues on and says that he's going to meet them, that he will heal their land. Uh, that he will bring revival. There's something about fasting that helps us, one, remember, recognize our need for the Lord. And that place, places us in a low posture. It humbles us. It cultivates the soil of our hearts so that we're ready when the rain comes. It, it prepares us for revival. We cannot cause or control when rain will come, but we can till the soil so that it's ready and the harvest can be harvested. Does that make sense? Six, freedom from demonic strongholds. There's a moment in the Gospels where the disciples are trying to cast out a demon out of a young girl. And they are confused because they weren't able to do it. And essentially, at the very end, Jesus says, some of these, this kind, can only come out through prayer and fasting. So fasting 
there's a spiritual authority that comes with it. And I need you to hear me in this because we hear authority in a specific way in our culture. Um, But there is a spiritual authority is being able to bring the kingdom of God and make it visible in where it's lacking. So like there, there is a authority that comes through fasting that enables us to contend against the spiritual forces of darkness in this world. So listen, this is important. Fasting isn't some formula. There's no guarantee that because we fast that we will actually get the breakthrough that we are looking for, right? Now, let me say that again. Just because we fast doesn't mean we'll get the breakthrough that we want. But I guarantee you, fasting will give you the breakthrough that God desires for your life. It may not give you the breakthrough that you want, that you're looking for. But remember, this is about intimacy with God. This is about fellowship with him. It's not about God getting, or us giving, or God getting, or how am I supposed to say this? We're not like trying to be like, oh man, I've got God more. It's more of a like, no, you have all of me, God, right? So like, there's breakthrough in that because we're closer to Jesus, because we're closer to him. Okay, practicals. How do we fast? Okay, so how to's. One, set your objective. So are you looking for spiritual renewal, guidance from God, discernment on certain areas of life, physical healing? Are you looking for revival in the church, salvation of the lost, all of the above? Like, it's important to remember, we've talked about this over and over again, seek the face of God. This is about intimacy. But in the midst of that, like, there are things in our lives that will prompt us for a need to fast. Like, all of the moments within Scripture, like, something happens, like, David's son gets sick and he starts fasting. You know all too well that he was fasting for an objective, but he knew that the only place that he could find the right answer was at the, at the feet of Jesus. So he was seeking God's face on behalf of something. And you get more of Jesus in that, and then there's clarity and breakthrough will sometimes occur. So set your objective to choose your fast. Now, there's different kinds of fasting that we can navigate through, and I just want to give you a few um, that are more all-encompassing that will help us understand how we... Uh, how we're supposed to engage with fasting. So first is a major fast. This is a full 24-hour period where you abstain from food and just drink water. Um, 24 plus. Full 24-hour period, major fast, where you can fast for three days, but it's, it's like further. It's what, I mean, then just like segmented. Then there's a minor fast. Sometimes this is called a Jewish fast. It's sun up to sundown. It's a specific period of time where you fast. In our culture, we've uh, made this popular, and we call it intermittent fasting, right? So we fast for one meal, or, or we fast for two meals and only eat one meal. Um, in the Jewish tradition, they would fast and go on for days and days and months even, just eating one meal a day once the sun went down. And so th- this was a, a way to like manage it if um, you don't feel like you can jump into the full 24-hour fast. Then there's a partial fast. Now, a partial fast is abstaining from specific kinds of foods in your life, uh, and this can be just as beneficial We see Daniel doing this at the very beginning of his story in Daniel chapter 1 where the uh, Babylonians are asking them to eat specific foods and Daniel's like, no, no, I'm going to abstain from all of that and all I'm going to drink is water and no wine and I'm going to eat vegetables 
and watch what God will do in providing me with strength as opposed to what everybody else is eating. So like partial fast can actually be beneficial to us as well. So major fast, minor fast, partial fast, and then last but not least, soul fast. Now we've already talked about this. Food is the specific biblical um, like a mandate for fasting, but it's also beneficial to fast from other things in our lives, right? Social media. Um, we can fast from our engagement with Netflix. We can fast from all the haters. Like, I mean, like, and maybe you need to fast from the way that you engage in relationships. Like, but like, those can be beneficial as well. And I, and I want to lean in and emphasize this. I know I sound like a broken record, but if you can, if you can, I would encourage you to fast from food because there is a profound um, like intimacy with Jesus that comes through that. And, and why, I, I don't necessarily know the full extent to why, but what I can tell you is that it helps us integrate it into our bodies in a way that other things don't. Like Devin was saying, like we all like to eat, whether you're a foodie or not. This is something primal. And so it helps get us in touch with those primal desires and give ourselves to Jesus more. And so obviously, choose your fast. You wanna ask, how long are you gonna do this? Who are you going to do it with? And for us, we're doing it for three days and um, as a community, actually as a network of churches across the world. Three, prepare for the fast. It's important for us to actually give preparation. Sometimes we just think, okay, tomorrow I'm fasting, and we jump right into it, but we haven't prepared. And honestly, that you, maybe you have the discipline and the wherewithal to actually pull yourself up by your bootstraps and do it. But for a lot of us, we need more preparation. We need to prepare our minds. We need to actually be mentally ready and ask Jesus to help bring clarity to our minds so that we can lean into the fast. We need to prepare our bodies. Um, some of us, um, it may not be beneficial. It may not be good for you to fast. Like maybe you've struggled with food in your past. So I would say, like, go talk to a doctor before you lean into this, if that's your story. If you're pregnant, like, don't fast, like, obviously, for many reasons. Um, but like, we all, but drink lots of water, prepare your body, make for sure that you're ready to fast. I'd also recommend not scarfing down a massive meal the day before you start the fast, because then it just like offsets the natural pattern. So just eat normally and then begin. Um, then we need to prepare our hearts begin to meet with Jesus and ask him to open up your heart and make for sure that your, your heart is soft soil uh, for whatever God wants to do in you. And last but not least, community. And this one's really important um, because we live in a society where people interact with each other. It's important for you to tell a handful of people, especially if you have roommates or you do dinners with people on a regular basis, those kinds of things, because it can like throw off schedules and you don't want it to be more of a thing than it needs to be in those moments. So it's not going onto the street corner like Jesus was saying and splurting it out from this into the, ether, right? No, we're, but we're, we're communicating it and being responsible and making for sure that our calendars are set with the people in our lives. So last but not least, number four, make a plan and do it, right? So we actually write it down in our calendars, we plan it out, and then we, we execute. We actually lean in and we jump into the adventure. 
All right, so I could go on for hours on this, but for the sake of time, um, that's, that's what I want to offer you. We're starting a fast with a family of churches globally called Genesis Collective on Friday, February 3rd through Sunday, February 5th. And usually you end the fast um, when the sun goes down on Sunday um, at dinner time. But as a community on, um, on Sunday at lunch, we're going to go down to Stonefire, which is just a few blocks this direction. It's big, plenty of tables. We can all just like go eat. So we're going we're gonna to break our fast together by eating at Stonefire together. Sound like a plan? Yeah. Cool. Sweet. Everyone's excited about lunch more than they are the fast. <laughs> um, anyways, um, no shade. Uh, so please join us in whatever way you feel led. If that means fasting from social, that's great. If that means a partial fast or a major fast, whatever the Lord is calling you to, I wanted to give you enough time to prepare your heart and to actually ask the Lord what he's inviting you into. And I would say, like, make it, make it a sacrifice. Yeah. You know, it's not like, oh, I, I was busy today, so I didn't eat. That's not fasting, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, like, actually... Actually offer something to the Lord and strategically use that time to spend time with him, to read, to pray, to seek his face. All right, so now if you've been with us for the past few weeks, you know that we've been in a collection of talks called The Burning Life. And um, this week I wrestled with whether or not I was supposed to try to synthesize this this message into the series or if it was just supposed to be a one-off and then we'd move on and start again next week. I, I wrote three sermons for this Sunday because I didn't really know it was actually going to happen. This one, long form on fasting, and then two like little mini messages, one on fasting and then one on the burning life. And I was just going to give you guys the one-two punch, you know, two for the price of one. No, not funny. Um, last night... God reminded me of something that I think beautifully pulls fasting into what our conversation has been about. And if you haven't been with us, I'd encourage you to go onto our podcast and listen to those messages. Um, but I also thought that it was just, it was a rhema word. It felt like the Lord had something specific to say to you guys. So I just want to close with this text. It's in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Pause there for just a second. This is just incredible. This is so good. God wants your life burning for him. And Paul here uses the analogy or the metaphor of an altar. He says, I want your life on the altar, your bodies on the And that's important because Christianity is not just a mental ascent. It's not just the warm fuzzies on a Sunday morning. It's not just us cultivating a faith within our hearts. It actually affects our lives, our physicality, the way that we interact with the world. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. True and proper worship is all-encompassing. It is the fact and the act of laying 
our lives down on the altar of the one who laid his life down for us? Is your life set on fire due to the fact that you have surrendered everything to him, surrendered your life on the altar of his mercy and grace? Now, the thing about living sacrifices is that they love to get off the altar from time to time, (laughs) right? And this is why fasting is so important. When we fast, yes, we are submitting ourselves to Jesus, abstaining from food and things to specifically seek his faith, but we're also training our bodies to resist primal forces and desires, We are building self-control and self-denial. We are training and strengthening ourselves to say no when the culture around us is saying yes to everything all of the time. Our whole society is built on consumerism. You define yourself by the clothes that you buy. You're trying to express something that you feel on the inside. We consume specific brands. We go to specific restaurants. Everything in our world is based around, is geared towards us consuming. And we, through fasting, are learning to say no in order to say yes to Jesus. Keep reading in verse 2 with me. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So look at the way that Eugene Peterson writes these two verses. He says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, there it is, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops a well-formed maturity in you. Fasting in the way of Jesus is a practice of cultural counter-formation. It teaches us to go against the current. It teaches us to swim upstream. Look at those two lines. It says, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. Fasting is one of the ways to do this, is to place more of our attention on him. It teaches us to lay our lives down, our bodies as an act of adoration and praise and worship and attention on Jesus. So this is the question that I wanna leave with you. What are the things in your life that are distracting you from being the person that God designed you to be? What are the things in your life that are distracting you from being the person that God designed you to be? Now, yes, all of us sin, and that's an important conversation. But what about the good things? The the things that are just there, the nebulous things in our lives. 
What are the things in your life that are keeping you from the burning life? From laying your life on the altar and watching your life burn in attention to Jesus? Maybe you need to fast that. Allow the practice of fasting from food to train you to resist those things in life, to give more of your life to Jesus. But honestly, let's talk about the soul fast for a second. Maybe you need to learn to resist opening up your phone first thing in the morning. Maybe you need to resist certain practices in the way that you're eating. Maybe you need to learn to not watch Netflix every night. Maybe you need to fast from the way that you engage in relationships because it's actually harmful from you, for you. Maybe you, what, what is it in your life that's keeping you from being the person that God designed you to be, from keep, keeping you from burning? Allow fasting to cultivate a desire in you for more of God and less of the world. Would you guys stand with me? So I just want you to put your hands right out in front of you and let's have a moment with you and Jesus. Come Holy Spirit. I want you to do a cultural audit. I want you to do a life audit of, of yourself. Where do you spend your time? Where do you spend your money? Allow the Holy Spirit to draw things to your attention. Now ask Jesus whether or not those things are keeping you from stepping into more of him. This is important. Jesus is not disappointed with you. You're not a failure. But he's saying those things are in the way. Like, let me take those. Let me get those out of your life so that you can step into more of me. Jesus, I ask that we would learn to burn on the altar of your mercy and grace. I thank you for this family. I thank you for the voices of children in this room, the budding life, the growing life, the image of what you, I, I believe you're doing here. I thank you for the opportunity to come in your presence. Jesus, give us the grace to fast. <laughs> give us the mercy and the kindness. Holy Spirit, would you empower us to learn to devote ourselves to you? Lord, let us not be discouraged at the end of the fast when we don't feel like any breakthrough occurred or anything special happened. 
let us learn the discipline of consistently coming to you, of saying yes to you. Teach us to train. We love you, Lord. In your holy heavenly name we pray. Amen. So we're going to spend some time in worship together. And I want you to stay in this posture of surrender. Surrender your life to him. You know, I, we've been a community for a number of months now since Easter of last year, and I've, I'm becoming more acquainted with our style of worship. And I love how excited we get. Um, and it's so funny to watch you guys. Uh, some of us are really good at the hand on the heart posture, you know, or the like we're carrying the TV thing, right? Uh, but I believe that like Jesus is calling us into a greater measure of surrender this morning. That like maybe for the first time you will raise your hands high and stay there when they get tired, you know, like, and that for the first time, maybe there's freedom for you. There's release. You have beautiful voices. Allow your voice to match the posture of your heart. Remember, we're integrated beings. This is about body, not just our heart. This is about the way that we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. So let your body this morning reveal your need and necessity for the one who died for you. Let your voice proclaim to him his, the glory that's due his name. And if God is stirring something in you, if he's working something out in your heart and you wanna mark this moment, Sometimes, you know, in sermons, we're like, okay, I got that, Lord, thank you, I'm gonna move on. And then sometimes it's like, no, I need to mark this moment as the day that Jesus met me. And if that's you, if Jesus is doing something in you this morning, I just wanna invite you to just come meet me in the back. I'd love to pray for you and hear what God is doing in you and pray with you and partner with whatever the Holy Spirit is already doing. Like the Spirit is working in this room, guys. He's moving. He's stirring our affections towards him. So this isn't some magical formula of like pray and something will happen. If Jesus, is, or the, if Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is already working in you, I just want to partner with that and see what the Lord wants to do. So let's spend some time in worship and then we'll close out.